0: Well, I don't know about you all, but I feel tremendously blessed already this morning. And we're about to get into the Word here. And some of us have already been digging in. Some of us, like Misha, memorized verses already, I don't know if you guys caught that. She wasn't reading that verse for scripture reading. She memorized that this week. What a blessing. Oh, I guess I need to connect to the Apple TV. All right. So as you can see in your bulletin, which I'm going to keep talking about the bulletin. I'm so happy to have the bulletin back. It helps us all uh, be a lot more organized with the service and upcoming services. But as you can see in there, the sermon this morning is entitled, Here is Water. Here is Water. We're going to be talking about the symbol of baptism. Symbol of baptism. You know, baptism is, is one of those Christian phrases that we're all familiar with. Anyway, we, we, we hear this term a lot, we talk about it a lot, it's got tons of biblical support and plays an extremely important role into the church. Yet there's often much confusion concerning what it is, why we do it, who can partake and when. And so I hope to clear up some of the confusion this morning, especially since we will be Inst- instituting a new practice here at the Edmund Church, but you'll have to wait until the end of the sermon to hear about that. Um, talk about a carrot on a stick, right? As I mentioned, we've got plenty of scriptural support on this topic. So I hope you're prepared this morning to be bathed in scripture, because we're going to look at a lot of scripture texts. So let's begin this morning by answering a a foundational question. What is baptism? What is baptism? First off, baptism is a symbol. But before we get into that, a similar question that is helpful is how is baptism done? How is baptism done? I found the following two verses enlightening on that front. John 3.23, it says, Now John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. Did you catch that? He baptized in this specific location because there was much water there. Baptism isn't something that you can just do with a, a bowl of water and a washcloth. And I, I think this becomes even more clear when we look at Jesus' baptism. Matthew 3.16, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. So I'll ask again, did you catch that? Did you catch that in this verse? Jesus was baptized and he came up from the water. The Greek word that we translate into baptism or baptize is the word baptizo. Baptizo. And it literally means to dip, submerge, or immerse. And this is why I believe in baptism by immersion. This is why I want to follow the example of Christ. Baptizo does not equate to sprinkling. So the biblical form of baptism includes full submersion. Full submersion. I see the Versham family back there. You guys know a little bit about that, right? Just a few weeks ago in here. Sue, you know a little bit about that too, right? Full submersion, right? As I mentioned earlier, baptism is a symbol. It's a symbol of which the submersion aspect is important. It's important because baptism symbolizes death, burial, and resurrection. Death, burial, and resurrection. Paul expands on this in Romans 6. Verses 3, 4, and then we'll read 5 in a second. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So baptism is a symbol of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, coupled with our faith that he is our substitute in the same. Paul continued to clarify this theology in the book of Colossians. Colossians 2, verses 12 through 13, we find this written. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So while baptism is but a mere symbol, that does not mean it lacks power. Symbols are powerful, and often they are powerful as reminders, as reminders. We may still be living in the flesh, but as Paul reminds us in Galatians 2, we live it in the faith that Christ is dwelling within us through his spirit. Baptism reminds us that not only have we been forgiven of our sins, but also that we are free to live a new life in Christ. So what is baptism? It is a symbol and a reminder that we are new creations filled with the Spirit and all the gifts that come with it. We believe all of this in faith but baptism allows us to take that first step in showing it there's faith but it leads to action i appreciate this quote from the old trailblazing chinese christian watchman nee he said baptism is faith in action baptism is faith in action without faith baptism is just a bath Without faith, baptism is just a bath. But with faith, it represents forgiveness and new life. And it brings with it Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power. Power we, we, we don't have within ourselves naturally. It must be given to us through the third person of the Godhead. Baptism reminds us that not only was Christ our example, but that he was also our substitute. His death was our death. His resurrection was our resurrection. He is our robe of righteousness, and that's why we here at the Edmund Church, we we get into our white baptismal robes when we get into that pool for baptism. Not because we are perfect, but because Christ is perfect and he Pulls us into his embrace. Clothing us in his righteousness. Another symbol. Galatians 3.27, it says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. What a joy it is when a sinner realizes this and then chooses to act upon it. So, that was the, the "what?" of baptism. But what about the "why? Why? Why be baptized? One of the motivating factors for baptism is when a person comes to understand their utter sinfulness and need of Christ. Mark 1:4, it says, "John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance." for the remission of sins, the forgiveness of sins, the removal of sins. You cannot repent of something until you believe you've done that thing that you need to repent of, right? This is why repentance is often spoken of in connection with baptism. Now, this next verse that I'm going to read, it causes some confusion. But I want us to just pause a moment. Let's take an honest look at it. John 3, 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, it sounds as if Jesus is saying that no way, no how, could someone enter the kingdom without first being baptized. But that simply cannot be the case. Otherwise, Jesus would be a liar. We don't believe Jesus is a liar, right? Do you all remember at the crucifixion that thief on the cross That thief on the cross that was speaking to Jesus, that man had not been baptized. But because of his repentance and because of his belief, which is really the important thing here, Jesus told him that he'd be in the kingdom. We must be careful sometimes how we interpret things. While baptism is important, it is not what saves us. Jesus and His grace—that's where our salvation comes from. Now, under normal circumstances, I can't think of many um, many reasons why a believer in Christ would not get baptized. But we need to be careful that we don't turn a symbol into our Savior. So let's get back to the topic at hand. Right? We, we were talking about repentance. Repentance. Luke puts it this way in the Book of Acts. Acts 2.38, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance leads to baptism, which begins our new life in the Spirit. To quote Paul from Galatians 2 again, that's verse 20, if, if you're keeping notes, we're still living physically in the flesh, right? We have have physical bodies, but by faith, Christ imparts his spiritual nature to us. So we're living physically in the flesh, but we can still live a spirit-filled life. We do that through faith. And the symbols of death, burial, and resurrection shine through in baptism. And because of the Spirit, we are created anew. Created anew. Max Lucato he put it quite eloquently and, and simply. He said it like this, the God who made us also can remake us, right? I mean, if God made us, formed us, knit us in the womb, when sin has marred our character, when sin has marred our bodies, God can come in and remake us, Right? And I don't believe he's just going to wait until the second coming to do that. We'll see the ultimate full fulfillment of it when we're given new bodies. But in the meantime, our characters can be bathed in Christ's spirit. So we've covered the what and the why of baptism. I want to move on now to the who. Who can be baptized? As I've already briefly mentioned, baptism is for those who have faith in Jesus. It is for those who believe. And as Jesus said in Mark sixteen sixteen, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Baptism is for the believer. It's pretty plain here for those who accept the good news of the gospel. And one of the reasons we call the gospel good news is because it's for everyone. It's for everyone. Age, gender, culture, position, none of that disqualifies someone from accepting the gospel message. It's a beautiful thing. It's truly good news. Paul put it this way. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. The good news is for everyone. And anyone who accepts it should be baptized. But, Pastor, is it for pagan Roman prison guards? Well, what do we see in Acts. Acts 16, 33, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. So a little context here, an earthquake had just rocked a prison. The prison doors were open, and Paul and Silas, who were imprisoned, were set free. But then the prison guard, he took Paul and Silas into his home, He washed their wounds. He heard the good news. He accepted it, and he and his family were baptized. But, Pastor, what about those pious Jewish religious leaders that worked so hard to harm the ministry of Jesus? Well, what do we see in Acts? Acts 18.8. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. Crispus heard the good news, he accepted it, and he and his entire household were baptized, along with many other Jews in Corinth. But pastor, what about someone like Saul? Someone who not only worked against Jesus, but partook in murdering the early Christians. Well, what do we see in Acts? Acts. Acts 9, 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. After meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus, Saul saw the error of his ways, repented, and then was baptized. He went on to be the man that we we refer to as Paul, the guy who wrote a lot of letters that I've been quoting from this morning. But pastor, what about Jews and devout men from all over the world? Places like Media, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Asia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, Arabia, Crete, and Rome. Again, I ask, what do we see in Acts? Acts 2.41, then those who gladly received his words were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. These souls came from all over the world. All of those places I just named are listed in the previous verses in that chapter. When the good news is accepted, the next step is baptism. It doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, or what sins you've committed in your life. The good news leads to repentance. Repentance leads to acceptance. And acceptance leads into the waters of baptism. But pastor, what about those who were in the Old Testament disqualified from coming before God? Someone like a eunuch who in Deuteronomy 23 was disqualified from dwelling among God's people or entering the temple. Well, I'm sure you know what I'm going to say next, right? What do we see in Acts? Acts 8.38. So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized them. This African man, this eunuch, was seeking to understand the messianic prophecy in Isaiah 53. Philip told him it was a prophecy about Jesus, and then he shared the good news. The eunuch accepted the good news, believing with all his heart. You can can read his, his own words there in that chapter, with all of his heart that Jesus was the Son of God, and he was baptized. I love what Rachel Held Evans had to say about this specific interaction. She wrote, Philip got out of God's way. He remembered that what makes the gospel offensive isn't who it keeps out, but who it lets in. Nothing could prevent the eunuch from being baptized, for the mountains of obstruction had been plowed down, the rocky hills had been made smooth, and God had cleared a path. There was holy water everywhere. But pastor, what about the Samaritans? It's pretty clear from the Bible that many of God's people hated them, especially their women. I realized Jesus was nice to a Samaritan woman, but could she really be baptized? What do we see in Acts? Acts 8, 12. But when they believed, Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. You see, Philip preached the good news message to the Samaritan people. And both the men and the women accepted that message, believed, and were baptized. During Peter's ministry, he was often confronted by the bigotry of some religious folk. And that same Pharisaic spirit is alive and well in Christendom today. I've heard all manner of reasons why this person or that person should not be allowed to be baptized. But if any person, I hope we're seeing that clearly from God's word this morning, if any person hears the good news, repents, and accepts Jesus as his Lord and Savior, who are we to try and hold them back from the waters of baptism? When I hear these excuses and judgments, I ask the same question I've been asking all morning. What do we see in Acts? Acts 10, 47. Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Who are we to hold back the moving of the Holy Spirit on anyone's heart? It's not our role. It's the Holy Spirit's job to judge a person's heart. It's our job to baptize them. All right, so we've covered the what, we've covered the why, we've covered the who of baptism. There's one more W to speak on here. When. When to be baptized. I hear all sorts of excuses given as to why someone should wait to be baptized. And sadly, never do I hear more excuses than when it comes to children who want to give their hearts to Jesus. We don't need any long, drawn-out processes. It's simply not biblical. What do we see in Acts? Acts twenty-two sixteen. 16. And now why are you waiting Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord. When someone is hesitant, whether for themselves or for someone else, that's the question I ask. And now why are you waiting? Questions are important. Questions are good. Sometimes we need to, you know, say things ourselves to understand why we're taking certain positions. Max Lucato is once again helpful in this matter. Baptism is the initial step of a faithful heart. Baptism is but the initial step, right? It's the first step in someone's new walk in faith. We've got to stop looking at baptism as some sort of graduation and instead accept it for what it really is, a new beginning, a new birth. A newly baptized person is a baby in Christ, a little baby. If we waited until we felt that we had all the answers or until we felt that we were perfect, we'd never get baptized. We'd never get baptized. (laughs) Baptism is a step in faith. Baptism is a symbol. As Layla Gifty Akita puts it, Baptism is affirmation of a belief. What belief? The belief that we are sinners in need of a savior. The belief that Jesus is that savior. The belief that he is our example, and if we accept him, he is our substitute. The belief that we can be created anew, born again in the spirit, changed from the inside out. Now, I realize I'm mostly speaking to the choir this morning. The majority of the people in this room, the majority of y'all watching at home, have probably already been baptized. So what are us as baptized believers supposed to do with this information? What's the Christian's role? What's the Christian's role? Jesus gave us a role. Jesus gave each and every single one of us a role, a job to fulfill, and sometimes we'd like to push it off on the pastor, push it, push it off on the evangelist. But the fact of the matter is this. Jesus gave the Great Commission to every single born-again Christian, every single one of us. The Great Commission is found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded to you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. We've all been tasked. We've all been tasked to share the good news. We pull alongside people and disciple them. Help them understand the gospel and see their need for Jesus. Then we offer the water for baptism. And after that, we just don't leave them to fend for themselves, right? They're just a little baby Christian. We pull alongside them, draw near to them continue to teach, them. equip them so that they can then go out and share the good news themselves. If I'm being honest, I don't believe that all of us in this church family have really taken this job seriously over the years. We all, every single one of us have spheres of influence. Many of us know people hope. People who are looking for guidance, for truth, and for love. People that are literally being crippled under the weight of sin, wondering if they can ever be forgiven. We know these people. We brush shoulders with these people. It's quite easy to show up to church one day a week, sing a few songs, hear a good word, and then But is that all that there is? Is that really all Christianity is about? Baptism is a symbol. And as I said, it's a reminder. And I see the looks of joy and satisfaction on all your faces when we have a baptism. And so, once a quarter, I'm going to announce a fill the baptistry Sabbath. A fill the baptistry Sabbath. And I need your help, each one of you, to make sure we have somebody in that water when the day comes. I hear a lot of talk about wanting to be ready for Jesus' second coming. But what are we doing to make sure? in July. I'll be asking Brandon to make sure that it's in the bulletin so that we can all see it and be reminded of it on a weekly basis. And if we have baptisms on that day, what a joy it will be. But if we don't, I think it will still be a good And so maybe there is somebody here in this room today, maybe there is somebody watching online who feels the Holy Spirit tugging on their heart. You haven't been baptized yet. And if that is you, allow me to share this. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to spend eternity with you. Jesus waiting for you with open arms to clothe you in his righteousness and give you a new life, a new heart, a new character in his spirit. Maybe you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, but you've heard enough today to say, I want to know more about this good news. I want to know more about baptism. If that's you and you're in this building, you would just raise your hand right now. I've got some elders who will be looking around. They'll speak with you afterwards. Praise God. Now, as, as, as Chris mentioned, as Guy mentioned, we've been going through this strange thing over the past year or so, and I realized that not everybody that is here is physically in the building. Many people are watching at home, watching online. If that's you, then I just want to give you the opportunity to text this number on the screen, 405-757-4052. Janelle's in the YouTube chat. She's going to put the number in there if you miss it from the screen. But don't wait. Don't hold off. Maybe you feel like you aren't ready. Maybe you feel like you need more time. But allow me to ask you that question. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much for his good news message. Lord, many of us have accepted it. Many of us have repented. Many of us have allowed you into our lives and we have been baptized to symbolize that relationship we have with you, that faith and belief we have in you. But Lord, if there's anybody here in this building, watching online, that is listening to my voice right now. And Lord, you are working on their heart. I pray that you would also give them the faith and the courage to send that text, to raise that hand, to find me, to find Chris, to find Larry, one of our elders here, and talk to them about it. And Lord, for those of us that have been baptized, may you plant a seed in our heart that starts to grow from this day forward. And may it grow quickly. May you light a fire, a Holy Ghost fire inside of us that helps us to realize that being a Christian isn't just about coming to church on Sabbath morning. Being a Christian is about sharing the good news. May you point out those people in our lives, in our family, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods that are searching for you. Give us the opportunity to share that good news with them and to baptize more people.